This year I have not closed a private mortgage. Last year, I think I did two. So very small. I will do them, but they don't come across my desk very often. Fee wise, I would say, you know, 10 to 15% and the rest is all A. So it's interesting. Your branding is poor credit mortgages, but yet only 15% of your business is that. Why do you think that is? Sorry, my branding is port credit mortgages. Oh, I think it's port credit. Oh, okay, okay. I'm no, like, no, no. I'm like, port oh credit gosh, mortgages. I'm I was like, like, oh, I'm like, where are we going with this? I'm like, okay, <laughs> listen to this. I'm like, port credit. Okay. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here. Today on the show, I have M. Misk. She is a mortgage broker who's only been in the business for a very short period of time. She comes from a banking background, and she got an amazing story. She had a baby during COVID, had a whole bunch of like family things going on, was still able to grow her mortgage business significantly. She's only been a broker for two years now, but the amount of work that she's crammed in that two years is very, very impressive. At our 10 Loans a Month Academy, we do a program where we've got different coaches that teach you their superpower. And she's with Jim, and I have no doubt that she's going to continue to crush it. A couple of the takeaways from my conversation with M. First, she describes what she calls surprise and delight marketing. She gives some examples of how she does this in her business. I think she's a fantastic marketer as well as thinker. She talks about how she was able to really jam three to four years of mortgage brokering experience into nine months. Like literally in nine months, she was able to work on 250 files just about. And it's probably more like five years, honestly, for the average person if you're starting from scratch. And even again, even if you come from a banking background, being a mortgage broker is different. You may know one product really well, but that doesn't mean you know the nuance of all the different options that are out there. And so she, within the first nine months, was able to get her hands on 250 files, increase her knowledge, and spun that into a very successful mortgage business. At the very end, actually, which is we're supposed to be kind of wrapping up, but we kind of dove into her Instagram and how she gets 15 to 20% of her business from Instagram. Yeah, it's awesome. It's not my platform, but it is a great platform for building relationships if you do it right. And I think she does. So go check her out on Instagram as well as check out this episode. Also, if you're listening to this and you're like, hey, I need to grow my business. If you go check out 10loansamonth.com, we have academy there with different coaches. And once a quarter, we open it up depending on what we have for availability. And you can come find out how we may be able to help you in your business. So check that out, 10loansamonth.com. And thanks again for checking out this episode. Hey, Em, welcome to the show. Hi, Scott. Thanks for having me. So can you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into the mortgage business? Yeah. So I am an ex-banker, which I think a lot of brokers are. So I came from banking, always in mortgages, pretty much. My last few positions were in efficiencies and process management, progress change, that sort of thing, process change, and in underwriting specifically. So I used to sell mortgages and then I took some leadership positions and started working on projects. And then, so what made you jump into being a mortgage broker from that? It's probably a pretty decent salary and, you know, you got benefits and vacations and, you know, stock options or something, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah. Was, but so what made you go into this 100% commission and risk? Uh, yeah. So what they say is true. Kids change your life. So in 2016, I had my son and like you said, all of the benefits of that type of a position, I loved what I did and I was actually pretty good at it for the most part, I would say. And it was really nice, but I worked a lot of hours. In fact, a lot of the lenders that I supported, I worked for one of the big five, but they were out West where you are. So a lot of the agents that were selling and underwriting were out there. So it would be three hour time difference. So sometimes I would be working like 12 hour days plus the commute into the downtown city core in Toronto. So lifestyle wise, you're just like really off balance. 
and I had my son and I just thought, how can I continue to do this type of situation and support my, you know, salespeople out West and out East, you know, that kind of thing. So the traveling and that sort of thing just was a little bit much at first, actually, I was going to quit and become a dog walker. Right. <laughs> that crazy. was my dream. Yeah. yeah. My husband and I looked into licensing and insurance and all that sort of thing. Yeah, I love animals. license for that. Yeah, for insurance, if your okay, do- right. a dog attacks another dog and liability, that sort of thing. I had a cute little name and it was going to be great. And I love walking. I love being outside, that sort of thing. And I love animals. So I thought that's what I'm going to do. And then I kind of fell into this by that subgroup, Mortgage Broker Connect, Yep. through a cousin of mine that's a broker. Okay. And so when did you start specifically being a mortgage broker? When did you get your mortgage license? I got my license in 2018 of August. I know a little bit about your backstory. So you started out sort of underwriting and then moved into doing your own, right? So explain to me, what was the benefit of that for you? Yeah. So I started a pay per file mini business so that I could basically work behind the scenes off hours when I was, you know, nursing my son when he was a baby, baby, baby. And from there, I was able to do back end work because you don't have to really be on calls. I was really more of a doc specialist, I would say. The deals were already approved, broker approved or lender approved, and I would take them all the way to, you know, funded and compliance complete. And the benefit was, is that I closed, you know, around 130 deals in my first nine months, not getting them approved, but I saw the whole journey up right. front. And you've seen where and they then, into snags and stuff. And I saw, and that's, experience. Yeah. exactly. The bottleneck really happens, you know, I think in the doc collection process, the lender approval almost to me seems like almost easy because you're not really doing it. You're just submitting it there. and You understand the guidelines and you hope it works, but ultimately it's the underwriter that does all the work right. afterwards is where the doc collection comes in and that sort of thing. So it allowed me to kind of do the back end stuff. Well, no one would see me or whatever. I could do work, get paid a decent amount. And More than then, walking dogs. You know what? It's about the same per hour, the really? way it worked out because of yeah. how many deals actually fund, right? Because you do so much doc right. collection and maybe they wouldn't close. So you so lose a lot. How many files did you work? How many did you fund? And how many do you think you worked on? Yeah, you're you, good with- you know, you asked me that. I think we did probably around 250 and around 128 closed. But keep in mind, it's five different agents, five different brokers. So some had very high funding ratios and some didn't. Right. Okay. And Mm -hmm. then in your first year, once you became a mortgage broker, do you mind sharing sort of how your business went? Like what did you do in terms of units and stuff? Yeah. So the first year I really only did six months. It was 2019. I got kind of into understanding what a mortgage agent does and how much money they can make. And I was thinking, oh gosh, I keep seeing these commissions coming in because I was doing the administration. So I did the payroll and obviously I'm thinking, okay, I probably should try this. So my first year I did 15 units, which isn't crazy, but it was good enough between May and December. And then last year, 2020 was my first year and I did 54 units. Yeah, which is excellent. Yeah, I feel like it's going pretty well. And then this year, I think I'm around the 45 mark right now. Right, that's fantastic. should have around 50 or 60 by end of June. Right, that's awesome. Okay, so I kind of jumped into a bunch of your story there, but I wanted to just get a (laughs) sense of where you are. And so I always like quotes because they're memorable, portable. Can you share a quote that's had an impact on your life or business and then how you applied it? Yeah. So two of them, I would say one is when you're going through hell, keep going. And it's Winston Churchill. So just, you know, keep going. Don't stop. If you stop, you're just going to be in a burning inferno anyway. So you might as well just try to get through. And the other one is me. I find myself saying it constantly because I raise children and it's everything's a phase. And they're very similar in their messaging, which is 
if it's bad right now, or if it's really good right now, don't get too comfortable because in six weeks they might not be sleeping or they might be potty trained or they might be whatever. So if everything is a phase, so, you know, even quarantine is a phase and mindset is a phase. So, you know, just being strong and realizing if you keep pushing through, you know, if you're in hell, just keep going. So can you give me an example of how you've applied this somewhere in life or your business where you were like, it was really challenging, but you pushed through anyway? Yeah. I mean, I had a baby in quarantine and then we had a pandemic hit and then we lost my sister to cancer in July. And I kind of said to myself, oh gosh. And we had my son home from school and then my husband's company got bought out and his whole life kind of changed. And we just had like change after change after change. It's like, when are we going to be able to kind of it would be have easy a moment. to get st- and be like, oh my gosh, like how yeah. can this keep happening to me? Right? Holy like, cow, but we're right. not special, right? So my thing was just keep going. Like if I can just get through five calls today and try and listen to somebody else speak about what they're going through, then maybe I'll enjoy or learn something. And just look for something really small to take from each little moment. Bite-sized pieces, I would say, is what kind of got me through 2020. And I just kind of keep going. Like I just don't stop. When I gave birth, I gave birth at 244 in the morning on January 22nd. And I didn't put my out of office on. I just was like, let's see how it goes. Maybe we'll be home in time. I had two client calls, one at 9 a.m. and one at 11. And I took them. I so just you had a baby at 2.44 a.m. <laughs> and you're doing, oh my gosh, that's crazy. I was going to cancel them, but I felt fine. And my husband's like, are you crazy? And I was like, I don't have to reschedule it. And what if all of a sudden tomorrow the adrenaline wears off and I'm exhausted? So I might as well just take care of it. And then we did. And, you know, I was bouncing around my knee. Everybody's like, how did you do that? Why did you do that? And it's like, I felt good. Like the next day I went to my favorite bakery and hung right. out there for the day with her. And Crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So as you know, failure is something that happens, but it's never final mm. and fatal, but there's always a lesson in it. Can you think of something that you failed at now looking back, there was a lesson in it for you, or maybe you even realized the lesson in it, but what was the failure or the challenge and then the lesson? Yeah, I think actually corporate, like when I was at the bank, I was, you know, at the executive level and I loved it. And I was chasing that title constantly and chasing that, you know, pay band and that sort of thing. And I was really married to what those things meant to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to tell people I was a VP or I wanted to tell people I was a director and what that kind of meant. And I wasn't getting to that next level. I kept kind of hitting the ceiling. And I didn't understand why. And I think it was because I didn't fit that mold. I was trying to fit that mold so hard. And in doing that, I wasn't really being myself. I was trying to fit. What do you want to hear me say? What's going to get me that next like level or notch or award? And instead of just, you know, being myself, which I think if you're yourself too much in corporate, you might not be successful as well. They do really need people to kind of, you know, follow the rules a little bit. And I think that I thought that was a failure. I would say it definitely was a failure in the sense I didn't get to that next level. But Mm -hmm. what I've learned is that that doesn't mean that it's, you know, reflective of me being a failure. It's more or less that wasn't the right fit for me. Right. And now when I look at client calls or I look at a realtor relationship or I look at anything really to do with my business, even a marketing strategy, you know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't mean that I failed. It's just that it needs to be redirected or tried in a different way or that sort of thing. So I kind of, have stopped trying to just force something like the Lego pieces to go together right. when they're maybe not a set. Yeah. It's one of those different, like the cheap Lego and the real Lego. You're seeing yeah. two, they don't fit together very yeah. well. My kids had some like, what the heck kind of Lego is this? Okay. So I know you love marketing and you're very creative. So what is like an example of a marketing thing that you've done that you found to be very useful for you or that worked really well? Yeah. So I would say like my 
bread and butter when it comes to marketing is to make it super personalized, sometimes make fun of myself. And I call it surprise and delight marketing, which I don't know if is actually what it's called or not. But the biggest thing I'd like to see is somebody go, oh my gosh, what made her think of that? So at Christmas, I sent a bunch of realtor partners of mine that I'm friends with personalized socks with their faces on them. I wouldn't put anything of my brand on it. I put like their face of their headshot on socks and in their brand color. So the whole team got like yellow, their own face socks. In April, my husband quit his corporate gig and joined me and we sent them out. Have you seen Josh Sellers, the wine Josh Sellers? I've heard of it, yeah. Yeah, well, we couldn't do like a big party. So I sent everyone a bottle of wine with Josh and I high-fiving on a piece of, you know, cardstock saying, I wish we could be cheersing you in person since we can't have a glass of Josh on us. And then say, welcome Josh to our team kind of thing. Yeah, that's cool. That's super cool. Yeah, it was kind of fun. And then I get a lot of cookies made by local people here in Port Credit. And so they're always Port Credit mortgages on the cookie, but sometimes it'll be like a lucky shamrock for St. Patrick's Day or hearts for Valentine's Day. And usually they say something on them, like, I hope you get lucky or I hope you find love, you know, for Valentine's Day, something like that. Right. Or if you don't find love, here's a cookie. Right, right. (laughs) You love the cookie. Exactly. If you can't find love on Valentine's, here's a cookie. That's awesome. So what do you think is the biggest change you made your business in the last 12 months? Well, my husband just recently joined in April. So that was a huge change. I did a big rebrand in November. So I went from being an agent on a team. I'm still an agent on the team, but I go buy port credit mortgages. And the reason I do that is I live in a small community in Mississauga, which is outside of Toronto. And I'm hyper, hyper focused on community. So very community focused, highly relationship focused. So I don't want to be known as necessarily my name. I want it to be known as like the town I'm from. Okay. So I would say that. So uh, port credit mortgages, what percentage of your business is B or you know, private, would you say? This year, I have not closed a private mortgage. Last year, I think I did two. So very small. I will do them, but they don't come across my desk very often. B-wise, I would say, you know, 10 to 15%. And the rest is all A. So it's interesting. Your branding is poor credit mortgages, but yet only 15% of your business is that. Why do you think that is? Sorry, my branding is Port Credit Mortgages. Oh, I think it's Port Credit. Oh, okay, okay. I'm no, like, no, no, I'm like, no. Port oh Credit gosh, Mortgages. I'm I was like, like, oh, I'm like, where are we going with this? <laughs> I'm like, okay, listen to this. I'm like, Port Credit. Okay, that makes Yeah, sense. so Port Credit is a small community in Mississauga on the port. So it's sense. like, no, yeah, cool. it's right on the water. Really beautiful. Great restaurants you can walk to. You know, I live here. I have my office on Lakeshore Road, which right. is really nice. And it's just super community-based. So the whole idea is to be as super community-based as possible. And the area here, I would say, is definitely a clientele. Right. So a niche could be a community like you've done, or it could be a category of borrower, which is what I thought you said, which I I was surprised. I didn't know that you did poor credit. Like, you know, no way. I'm not sure I would like that brand name so much too. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, it wouldn't be my jam, but you know what? To each their own, right? So. But maybe it has a ring to it. I should be really clear with the T at the end. Credit. Yes. Maybe it's just me. Okay. So I know that you're in our cohorts. You're in Jim's cohort. I'm just curious, what's been your biggest takeaway from being part of Jim's cohort? Yeah. So with Jim, I think the coolest thing that he has is I kind of like imagine him as like, what's it, Jason Bourne with a special set of skills. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I can run for one mile without losing my, you know, that whole thing. I know where every exit is, right? (laughs) 
<laughs> so the way I see Jim is that he knows every lender with complete confidence and their strengths and their weaknesses. So what I'm learning about what to take with that is just, you know, when you're speaking to your clients, just make sure that they know what they're getting themselves into if they are going to a different lender than where you're suggesting they go to and why. So he really is able to clarify that very clear and succinct. I would say that's probably what I lack. And you'll probably get that from this podcast is I tend to ramble, even though I have notes and I'm trying to be clear, I kind of get almost sidetracked sometimes. So he's very clear in what he says and how he says it. And I think that comes from many years of experience and confidence. Yeah. And I think what I'm learning from him is the structure or the sales scripts and right. how you can be a very personalized, but you can be very succinct in what you say. And right. that is what allows him, I think, to start a call and end a call very quickly. And which I'm like mortgages a year because you can't right. do that if you're not like everything right. is very succinct. Yes. Okay. So I'm learning how to do that the most. And I think that is a big lesson for me that if I can do that, I will be in a very good place in the next right. couple of years. You will. I have no doubt. You're doing fantastic for the time that you've been as a mortgage broker. So I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions. You can answer these shorter mm -hmm. answers if you like. So what's one thing people can't find out about you from Google? I would say like my kind of having a kid and going back to work, you know, three hours later is probably one. Yeah. Um, the other one that's kind of fun is I have a sister-in-law that has almost the exact same name as me. So I'm Emily Jane Misk and she's Emily Jane Misk or Jade mm -hmm. Misk. It's like your brother married his sister or something, right? I know, but really I married her brother oh, and we just yeah, had the know. first name. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> Anyways, that's funny. Okay. What's one movie everybody should watch at least once? I think Remember the Titans. It's a good movie. It's a good and movie. Anything Timeless. about football, I love. Yeah, me too. What, what is one software program or digital tool you can't run your business without? Yeah, I was thinking like I use Salesforce every day and it's kind of like my Bible, but what I need in my life more than anything is earbuds. Right. <laughs> Probably not your typical mortgage answer because you guys always talk about software and that sort of thing. But I type while I'm talking all day long and I sometimes am multitasking. So Having earbuds for me, it was a game changer without the cord. Right. I see. Yeah. So you could basically talk to somebody and writing at the same time. Okay. And then what's one book you recommend for our listeners? Yeah. You know, I listened to you and Jill talking the other day and I have to admit, I'm not a huge reader. And you said something like, oh, it's probably because you're a doer. Yeah. And I was so happy because I was like, oh, maybe that's my problem. <laughs> no, it's true. I know people that are just stuck in their head. They could read and read and read and they don't ever yeah. I have a stack of books over there. I collect them yeah. and I enjoy having them, but I would say I'm not an avid reader. When I do read things, I really like them to be more like classics. Like I'll go back and read, you know, Steinbeck and those types of things. But I'm in a moment of like To Kill a Mockingbird is probably my all-time favorite book. But I'm in a phase right now where I have a 16-month-old and a four-year-old. So I do a lot of one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. Right, right. That's up there. <laughs> I um, had that book memorized when my kids were little. I swear, I had a book I could. Yeah, just... green eggs and ham. Yeah, so it's tough to find quiet. And when I do, it's often work or for my enjoyment, right. what I'm going to do, that's... like go for a run or a walk or see my friends. Right, that's fair enough. Yeah. Okay, elevator question. You're in an elevator with your perfect client, not poor credit. They're from, <laughs> you know, poor credit. What would you mm -hmm. say? How do you explain what you do? Scott, I put you in debt with a smile on your face. That's good. And how do clients, my favorite how, one. how do they respond to that? Most people laugh, right? Exactly. which is exactly what I want. It starts the conversation. <laughs> and all right. So last question, the DeLorean, if I could put you in a DeLorean car from back to the future, send you back to your first day as a mortgage broker, which wasn't that long ago. And you could mm -hmm. give yourself some advice. What would you do? What would you tell yourself? Keep going. Keep going. 
What would be second thing you'd tell yourself? Buy the Mac. You took too long to get the new laptop in. Buy the Mac. Okay. <laughs> and what's what the third one? Don't worry. Sometimes I worry too much. You know what? It's all good. Like if you don't get the one that you're in front of, you'll get the next one. It's a numbers game. You just got to keep going, honestly. I know it's kind of repeat of the first, but it's been a common theme. Even with lenders, if you get that decline, like, you know, maybe do a little more research, you might be able to keep going. I feel like I haven't had a solid no yet. It's always just not right now. Not yet. Not yet. Mm -hmm. That's a great mindset to have, actually. Okay. This has been awesome. Where can people find you online? I'm super active on Instagram. I do a ton of contests and giveaways. I love doing reels. That's probably my bread and butter when it comes to connecting with people. So Instagram, I'm at Port Credit Mortgages. Um, Facebook, you can find me at Port Credit Mortgages or Emily Misk. And Misk, I go by M most of the time, E-M. So yeah, my sister-in-law, like I said, has the same name as me. So that's why I go by M. (laughs) Right. I'll make sense. So it distinguishes it. And do you find you get business from Instagram? Mm-hmm. Yeah, about 15 to 18% of my deals are from social media. So like the 50 some deals you did that year, 15 to 20% came from Instagram. And That's correct. So you do giveaways, how often mm-hmm. and what is your sort of pattern or plan with Instagram? So I actually don't use Instagram to gain followers. I use it to connect with my existing database mm-hmm. and to thank followers for following. So whenever I do a contest, my goal is never to you know, attract more people. Of course I do want to, but it's really more to say, thanks for still listening to mortgage stuff because not everyone wants to. How often I do them, it really depends. I usually partner with people and I love certain holidays. So back to school is a big one. I told you I'm a mom. Father's day and mother's day are big ones for me. And Christmas, we did a 12 days of giveaways this year at Christmas and it was super fun. What's the best campaign, like the biggest impact campaign that you've done, you think on Instagram? The 12 days was really good for all of December. We did like between 50 to $200 a day in giveaways. And then we partnered with lots of different local community of vendors. So it was a way to get engagement across. And we asked a question like, what's your favorite Christmas cookie? What's your favorite Christmas song? So people really did give a lot of engagement, which is what I'm all about. Right. And do you teach on there at all? Or is it just fun? Like, is it? Absolutely. No, no, no. Education and service are my number one and two probably tied goals. I just try to make it approachable. Right. Okay. How do you educate somebody through Instagram? What would that look like? Would that be you talking for a minute? Would it just be a post with a picture? Mm -hmm. What do you find works? So reels are really effective. So I'll do real like videos to songs. Today I did one about underwriters and not quitting your job. Right. (laughs) You know, like keep yourself mortgage worthy. I'll do ones on, you know, what you need to do if you're self-employed for income qualification, that sort of thing. There's lots of ways, like reels are really timely right now. I would say they're like quote unquote in, but I do Instagram lives like IGTV. I'll do that if there's, you know, Bank of Canada update, that sort of thing. And then I have all my posts pre-planned for probably about the next 60 days out. So every day there's a post, probably weekly. I do a Friday market update via Instagram TV and then reels are sporadic whenever I feel a little creativity pop in. Okay. Well, hey, thank you for all the insights and go check you out Port Credit Mortgages on Instagram. Thanks. And really appreciate chatting with you and very inspiring to see what you've done in such a short period of time. And on top of that, had a child and all the stuff that's going on and still found a way to continue to grow your business. So keep crushing it. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.